On today's episode, we take a look at the abilities and skills of the Star Wars 5e system. Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast, episode 25. Hey, Tegan, how you doing today? Doing well. It's kind of crazy. We're already up to 25 episodes. Uh, definitely appreciate the support of the community. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's awesome to, to be back in it after our break and uh, just keep chugging along. So uh, just looking forward to everything in the future soon here. So... Uh, speaking of that content and the support uh, specifically, thank you to all of our Patreons and uh, all of our listeners and subscribers and followers out there. Uh, if you're trying to find all of that content we put out, of course, it's always at DungeonJediMasters.com. Links to this podcast, our YouTube channel, our Twitter channel, uh, Twitch channels, Instagram, which is uh, new, but uh, some good stuff there. And then, of course, our Patreon, where we offer exclusive uh adventures, NPCs, things like that, and then also some freebies. Uh, and speaking of, to go a little bit uh, with today's episode, uh, we're going to do put together a party tracker sheet. So this will be something a little geared more towards the uh, DM, but uh, just something that's going to be a blank sheet for you to put your uh, the information of your party members, uh, things like their ability scores and skills, proficiencies, and and all kinds of things like that, uh, HP, AC, uh, just for a good, hopefully, uh, at-a-glance view of, of how your party looks. So, um, you know, if you're out in the wilderness and you, you think you want to bring up a nature check, you know who's going to do it. It definitely helps. Uh, probably something we'll kind of touch on more in this episode of... Um, skills and abilities but just helps you see who who's uh who's got what and you can involve some of your party in different ways so uh that'll be our freebie for this month with patreon so check that out and all of our other uh content out there i think that's most of our announcements on our end um so uh tegan i'll throw it over to you for uh we do have a new uh star wars 5e species available Definitely. So uh, if any of you guys have played the Living Force campaign or uh, watched uh, any of the, the streams for Todd's uh, Sunday campaign that I play in, uh, the Terrasons will be ones that you're familiar with. Uh, they're from the Kalaran system, and they finally got uh, added into the game proper. Uh, so this is going to be a good one. They're uh, based on uh, primary stats intelligence. So if you're looking to build a engineer or uh, even a scout, because uh, they get that dexterity as a plus one, too, those will be good options for the, the build. Uh, nice thing with this one, too, is they've got a couple of cool skills that just allow them to stand out a little bit. Uh, if you are going to be playing in the Living Forest campaign, this is going to be a great one with the Jungle, jungle Dweller, because uh, it allows you to kind of move through the difficult terrain as if it's regular. Uh, they also get some cool chameleon skills and help them blend in a little bit, and additionally with that free proficiency in stealth. Uh, so just some cool stuff with this one, uh, especially if you're going to be playing Living Force. It's kind of a cool way to build your character into the, the actual lore for the game. 
Yeah, definitely. I was, I was pretty excited to uh, first see that um, Heresy had created this. Uh, they have just been cranking out the species and uh, getting a little head here on previews here, but we are going to have them on an episode coming up soon and, and just kind of talk about their process with with uh, creating all these species. But uh, yeah, I was excited to see that one, obviously because of the familiarity with it and the campaign that I'm running. So great to see that one out there. Um, Speaking of running campaigns and whatnot, we do have two more new DJM spotlights uh, to go through. Uh, This has been an awesome uh, little segment I've enjoyed very much. So uh, we've got two more of you wonderful DMs out there we wanna highlight. So uh, first up, uh, we've got some info from Thundercats. Uh, They have been DMing, uh, looks like a good spread here, uh, 3.5, 4, 5th edition, uh, and Pathfinder 1 and 2. So definitely a good spread there across uh, different systems. Their campaign is called The Shadow Crusade, and uh, their brief description says, On the eve of the Great Sith War, A ragtag group of beings is thrown into the chaos of the Krath uprising on Empress Teta. Rapidly, they are sucked into the development of a galactic conflict where the lines blur between friend and foe, light and dark. Very cool. Uh, I think uh, that sounds like a fun one. Um, Four months they've been running this so far, so, uh, you know, a little early, but uh, still, still established well enough depending on how often they're playing. And their party size, uh, so we're getting up there a little bit. Not a huge party size, but compared to the smaller ones we've seen. Five party members, uh, they started at level 3, and they're now at level 12. So that's some uh, that's some heavy advancement over those four months. So very cool. Thank you, Thundercats. Tegan, I'll throw it over to you for our other one. Yeah, sounds like a cool campaign. I've never really seen too many of that kind of that old, uh, that old old Republic era. That's uh, kind of back on uh, the history there. Definitely got a fun era to play around with, though. Um, the one I've got is uh, from Redmond Steel. Uh, he's been uh, kind of his group's forever DM, so been DMing for the last three years, uh, running one shots, uh, an ongoing D and D campaign, and has just started his new uh, Star Wars Five E campaign. Uh, it's called uh, a New Galaxy, and basically with uh, the, kind of running with uh, the Empire. So the Empire is now focused on expanding in the Outer Rim. Uh, the citizens are getting tired of war, uh, but many are accepting the occupation and simply moving on with their lives under Imperial rule. Uh, well, so there's a choice for many. There are some who can't accept that. Uh, the story is about hope against all odds, uh, about the people and droids who've had enough of the Empire and are standing up to fight. Uh, so definitely kind of a cool rebellion era type uh, campaign. It's fairly new though. He just had his first session. It sounds like uh, he's got uh, five players again, uh, level two so far. Thanks everyone for submitting these and uh, continue if you haven't yet to do so. And we'd love to highlight it and uh, you know just love to see the ideas that other other DMs are are doing out there. So very cool. Today we're going to be talking about uh, ability scores and skills and just kind of how you can utilize that as a DM. Uh, Mostly as a DM, we'll definitely touch on some things that, uh, you know, as a player you can think of. But I think this is a a good topic to discuss. You know, I definitely, in my, still in my youth as a DM, have learned a lot about how to use uh, ability skills and uh, abilities and skills and, um, how you can be flexible with that as well. I think that's the biggest thing and, and probably the biggest thing we'll try uh, to touch on is the flexibility in, in using these things. 
definitely, especially if your players have like a good rationale for how they wanted to use a skill, maybe in a different way, or even using a different attribute for a skill. I just like, if they have a good reason, if some good kind of background for it, definitely let them do it. Uh, let them kind of explore that, and especially because the skills I think are always just kind of like the base attribute, just kind of a good guideline. But if there's a case where it make more sense doing X versus Y, let them do it and kind of have that fun with it. Absolutely, and and I can I can understand that with new players they might get a little stuck with within the rules and and think that they can't go outside of it. But you know something I try and encourage and you know if a player as you said gives an excellent reason to be able to do to kind of change how the skill is used or whatever, like absolutely you know you want to allow that and and I think that's valid. So um, maybe we'll see kind of how this fits in with the conversations. But uh, one thing to touch on is the. Uh, the standard DC difficulty rating chart, if you will, um, and this is uh, presented, you know, in, in the fifth edition, traditional fifth edition, this is presented for, you know, your difficulty challenge rating uh, for a task. Uh, and it goes from uh, five for very easy up to 30, nearly impossible. So 10 is easy, 15 medium, 20 hard. Uh, 25 at very hard and obviously at different levels for a character those are going to change because of your proficiency bonuses and and other factors that come into play so um, you know that's a good gauge uh, you can certainly go one or two above or below any of those numbers whatever you think and and for me it's definitely been you just kind of you just have to get a feel for it you have to say like you know where does this rank on that uh, scale and and you know, what kind of a challenge is this for the player? Uh, any thoughts on that, Tegan, on how you kind of manage that? Definitely. Something that, as you do it more and more often, it just kind of comes naturally for you, like you said. Uh, after a while, you can just take a look at what they're attempting to do, kind of what's going on, what other factors there are, and you'll easily get a number in your head. Like, oh, they're trying to pilot through a complicated minefield. Uh, that's going to be pretty difficult. Uh, let's make that a 15 or a 20, depending on how, how difficult it would be. Uh, or they're just going to be doing something easy. They, they're proficient with uh, security kit tools and they're just picking a lock with no pressure let's make that an easy challenge because they're going to be easy able to do that especially with no pressure on them uh, it just really as more you do it the easier it'll come and you'll see just kind of those little DCs just pop in your head as soon as your players say I want to do X uh, yep. so just kind of, more time will get it to you yeah absolutely and you know, on the on the lower end of like the really easy stuff um, you know I would say like if you're thinking like, oh, this is going to be a DC five, unless there's unless there's a penalty or um, you know unless there's going to be uh, consequences, that's the word uh, consequences for failing. You know, you don't really need to have them roll. That's another aspect maybe to all of this as well is is uh, you know whether the players actually need to make a roll here. Um, you know, if it's an easy task that that character should be able to do, like. Unless there's a chance for failure, there's no reason to make them roll. So definitely consider that as well um, whenever you're setting a DC, no matter high or low. But um, yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, let's kind of jump into it. Uh, maybe start with the abilities. Uh, Tegan, I guess I'll throw this over to you if you want to start and, uh, you know, kind of maybe give us a rundown on the abilities real quick um, and what, they, what they're kind of related to. So... We've got the six core abilities, and all of them have, most of them have their own skills associated with it. Constitution gets left out uh, with this system. Uh, but basically, we'll kind of give a little run through of the, the different abilities and some of the skills associated with them. Uh, so, the first one, strength, uh, that one's usually going to be the only real skill you have for that one is athletics. 
So athletics is one I think that gets overlooked sometimes. And I think a lot of times uh, it gets equated sometimes with acrobatics. Uh, athletics definitely has its own arena. And there's a lot of cool stuff you can do just utilizing that skill. Uh, this could be a great one if you've got somebody trying to climb something or trying to kind of really dig deep and haul something or if they're chasing after somebody and doing a chase sequence athletics can be a great way to to get that out uh i know acrobatics can do some of those things but sometimes i think acrobatics just gets expanded just due to the likelihood that most people have used decks as one of their core stats uh so if you're using the roles and especially if you got somebody that is a strength build uh definitely give them some room for athletics to shine uh, and especially, too, if they're going to be a melee fighter, encourage some grappling because there's some cool stuff they can do with grappling. Uh, they've got some proficiency in athletics. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, I, I've been trying to throw grappling more into, you know, some of my encounters and whatnot because it's a fun it's a fun aspect of that. So and yeah, you know, I think, like you said, athletics is definitely kind of that exertion of, of physical force on, on what you're doing. So but I can see I can see how that and acrobatics kind of get little muddy sometimes i've done it myself it's one of those ones is because they're close uh especially with how prevalent dex is it's easy to say oh yeah you can do acrobatics for that too but sometimes you got to give that strength build a chance to shine that's the only one for strength so so we're kind of moving on to dexterity we've got that acrobatics role uh some cool things you can do with acrobatics especially to kind of make you a little more unique uh especially uh i've always allowed it to use if somebody's taking some fall damage uh it could be a good way to help mitigate that if they can roll acrobatics and see if they're able to either fall gracefully or tumble out of the fall and uh kind of displace some of that energy and not take the full damage uh also be good too if you've got uh maybe their uh on a rooftop and try to bail it to do something else at the same time or even if they're jumping up on a table while they're uh, in a firefight uh just some cool ways you can use acrobatics and just really kind of show that nimble nature of the character big one for decks uh stealth uh, that's one of my favorites i usually have one of my characters especially if i'm doing decks have a little bit of stealth so you're able to sneak around uh, this is uh, this was a little self-explanatory. I know uh, even more than new DMs know how to work with stealth, so we'll go too far into it. Uh, but definitely, just some cool things you could do. Just have the party sneak around, and uh, this is gonna be a good area too. Just to if you're going against the party, even uh, as we mentioned with uh, the tracker sheet, take a note of what your party's passive perceptions are, uh, and then have your guy roll some stealth and see if you've got some of the enemies or the bad guys sneak up on the party. Uh, and really, if uh, and especially if you roll low too, and what are your doesn't beat one of your party members passive perception that can be a cool way to bring that in and get a little bit of a reward for having that just a uh, kind of innate awareness about them yeah that's a great way to use that uh, something that kind of you know that that surpri- quote unquote surprise round or whatever you want to call it uh you know in our encounter the other day with the, the worms in the cave you know i was they were super stealthy and they didn't beat everyone's uh, passive perception, but they beat some of those people. So some of the people didn't know they were there. And, and I think because of that, you know, the worms got an advantage. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a good way to use that. And uh, just because some of the party might know that people are there, the other ones might not. So there's, there's ways to, to utilize that uh, in that sense. Definitely. That's one of the, the cool pieces with this and why we wanted to do it too, because when you pick, go through it and you build your character and you pick those stats and the different skills they can go through, uh, it's always kind of fun to like give your party an encounter, give them like a situation too, where uh, they almost get like a little 
reward, a little justification for picking that stat or that skill. Uh, so if they, to, they wanted to be super aware and have a high perception, uh, having that account where even the thief being super stealthy, they're the, the ones who noticed them popping up. Uh, this gives them kind of a little, little justification for running that build. Other big thing with dexterity, uh, sleight of hand. So kind of a similar thing. This is going to be great if you've uh, got uh, players who want to pickpocket or uh, one of my players, uh, one of my one-shots I read, actually was able to stealth up and put a grenade in somebody's pocket. So uh, you could have some fun with that. Sleight of hand is just a good way to be able to move and uh, either steal, pick up something, or just do something with your hands without getting caught. Uh, just... Uh, Pretty self-explanatory there, but definitely some fun things can come out of you know, utilizing that skill on the table. Yeah, definitely. And, and those two almost, stealth and sleight of hand sometimes can can kind of see use with each other as well, I think. Definitely. Those are ones that synergize well, because usually if you're doing something sleight of hand, you want to make sure you're not being seen at the same time, too. So definitely some cool stuff that can go with it. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot as well with the sleight of hand. Uh you know, even if you're not trying to be sneaky, but uh, it's more about about kind of how dexterous you are. So maybe maybe you're, you know, trying to defuse a bomb and, you know, trying to make sure you you cut the right wires or something like that. You know, uh, tying a rope. Um, you know, I've, I've had some DMs call a sleight of hand check to see how well you tie a rope if you're tying an enemy up. And, you know, if you don't do too well, maybe maybe it makes it that much easier for that enemy to get out. So um definitely a use it's it's not all about you know being sneaky and pickpockets it's it's could also be used of, of how well you can do some tasks like that definitely and rope tying is a great one for it too just kind of see yeah how nimble your hands are for doing tasks like that constitutions are next one there's no real skills with the 5e system that tied to constitution uh checks you can have people make uh, usually it's going to revolve around uh, either saves due to the constitution due to a spell or power uh or if uh, they're at the bar and uh maybe somebody's fed them some poison or even if they're just drinking a lot uh there's some fun constitution saves and checks you could have coming from that too so no real skills but definitely some cool ways you can work in constitution uh and give that berserker a chance to sign off um off the top of my head tegan uh you know, definitely constitution saves, I feel like you see out there. Uh, I'm just kind of drawing a blank, but anything that would be a straight constitution check? So this one, especially for Star Wars, a cool ones you can do with that is kind of environmental, or kind of still save, but still kind of a little bit of a check too for environmental factors. Uh, like if you're on Tatooine and you guys are marching through the desert, uh, you can have them make that constitution check to see how they're holding up, if they're uh, kind of able to kind of maintain in that harsh environment. Uh, with Star Wars, like every other planet, it's either a desert, uh, blizzard planet, or volcano planet. So there's definitely some cool ways you can work in Constitution and kind of see how that environment's affecting them with uh, everything else going on. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's, yeah, like a, the save is kind of, you know, you're, you're forcibly trying to resist something, uh, you know, passively or actively, whatever, poison, like you said, drinking, maybe you're holding your breath. Um, but then a, the check could be more, you know, as you said, like you're just traveling through the desert, you know, purposely and, and yeah, just how well you can handle that. So good. That's a good, uh, good way to think of the two. Definitely. And, and constitution is one of those ones. I wish they had a little bit more skills tied to it. So it gets a little bit more love, but it's definitely a, you have a strong mechanic. It's one of those ones you can 
just give a little bit extra out to kind of make some encounters or some dynamics just to really reward some of those characters who may have invested a little bit more in their constitution score. Absolutely. Uh, so this was uh, so this scale is really big in Star Wars. Uh, the next ability, uh, intelligence. Uh, so a lot of the the technical stuff and uh, kind of the, the the nature of Star Wars revolves around the intelligence skill or ability. A uh, couple of the core ones before we get into the the new ones. Uh, investigation. Uh, so that's kind of the same as a traditional five E. This is going to be if they're checking bodies or searching a room for uh, any clues or uh, just kind of uh, any time of taking a crucial look in and trying to find some piece of information about it. Uh, investigations are great school uh, skill to run with that. Um, the other one that's the similar to traditional 5e nature, uh, this is one that I need to use more in Star Wars, and I feel like it's one that gets lost a little bit in Star Wars, because uh, we're almost focused so exclusively on the technological side and kind of the just the, the more uh, kind of urban settings, but Nature can definitely be a good one, especially if your players invest in that skill to make sure you have some good opportunities for them to use it. Um, a little bit more difficult than traditional 5e, but definitely just kind of think through and see if there's any good opportunities you can pop that up and just make it relevant. Uh, especially, too, if, if none of your players have taken a nature skill, you can plop them on indoor or plop them somewhere where they may need to get a little bit of nature in there just to understand what's going on. Yeah, I Prime example is our, our Sunday game. None of you guys have nature, I think, or animal handling. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was stuff that called for that. So it was just, uh, it was interesting. Definitely. So it's one of those ones you kind of throw in there. And that's one of the things, too. That's why I like having uh, the tracker sheet. You can kind of take a look and see what everybody has. And sometimes you can reward them. And sometimes if you see there's a big gap where nobody has the proficiency in an area, you can kind of throw some checks or some challenges up there that have been made so much easier by somebody that just knew a bit about that subject matter. The three that are new uh, for kind of the SW5E system uh, so we've got lore, pilot, and technology. Lore is new, but it's kind of just uh, it's a mix of history and arcana, uh, mostly just history. So this is just kind of finding out uh, what's happened in the area, kind of what's going on, maybe give you some of uh, the politics of the region or what's happened in the past. So pretty much just a straight history check. Um, you can use it depending on, like I've used it a couple times for uh, uh, one of my games where uh, the person wanted to learn more about a, a force power or ability or kind of a, a force user. You can have them use that lore to see if they've learned anything about that power or that ability or that sect too. Uh, so you can kind of incorporate a little bit of the arcana pieces into it too. Uh, but mostly it's just going to be kind of the historical aspect for the party. The big one, uh, technologies, that's huge for the Star Wars 5e system because with Star Wars, there's going to be a ton of different things you can interact that are require technology. Um, one thing I've been working on too, and this is something you have to kind of take a look at and see what your players tools and skill proficiencies are too because uh, technology can sometimes step on the feet of some of the tool proficiencies uh, so just got to make sure you're aware of what your players have on that side but this is going to be used for uh, things like uh, getting into a database uh, figuring out uh, how to work uh, certain pieces of equipment uh, etc. There's just so much with this system that really kind of based off technology it can really be one of those kind of most sought after proficiencies within the system. Yeah, it definitely gets used a lot. You know, I think any DM would agree that, you know, you see that a lot. So uh, maybe something we'll kind of touch on later is making sure that you're not utilizing it too much or I guess allowing other players to do things as well. So getting creative in those checks so that it's not always just, all right, 
technology check from the droid or whoever, you know. So uh, that's definitely something to, to keep in mind. Definitely. And the last big one for intelligence, uh, we've got piloting. Uh, so this is a great one. This is going to be, so if you are going to be integrating the uh, kind of ship-based or star uh, starship-based components into your game, uh, this is a great skill to have because your ship's ACs can be based off your pilot's piloting score. Uh, even if you're not going to be integrating that aspect, uh, if you're ever going to have anything like uh, swoop races or pod races, or even uh, if uh, maybe the party's being chased and one of the people have to jump into a land speeder and pilot it away uh those are going to be perfect checks to be able to use with that system uh so definitely a good one to have and some cool moments can come with uh the party using this skill so kind of moving on to the intelligence we're gonna get into uh the wisdom skills uh and this one's fairly similar there's not too much different with this one compared to traditional 5e uh so you've got your insight uh which will be used to kind of gauge people's reactions if they're being upfront with you or uh if they're telling you the truth about certain things uh one thing i like to do with this one especially if you got some people that are force users or force sensitive even uh just kind of when you're giving them that information kind of flavor it through the force uh so like uh if somebody's lying to your jedi about something uh kind of let them know you search your feelings, you gotta get the catch a current of the force and find that X and Y Z is not being truthful about what's going on. So just give some cool flavor with that. You can really work in just do the uh, kind of mechanically within the force that something they could do is kind of feel out other people. So insight's a great one to really give a little boost to your Jedi or your force users that have it. Yeah, wisdom in general is definitely one of my go-tos for for my force users. If if you're entering into you know maybe a, a Sith cave or you know whatever, uh, just kind of quick wisdom check to just see, uh, you know, see how how well those players can kind of feel that stuff out. Definitely, and it's a wisdom. It's kind of just pushed over to the force users because you can do the same thing with perception too uh so if you uh force users especially with the passive perception using that example we had of somebody stealthing up on the party earlier uh that could be a great way to flavor uh you weren't paying attention but through the force you kind of feel a sense of danger approaching and notice that there's an assassin in the midst or something like that too just to give us some extra flavor and just still be able to utilize that skill too but perception overall really similar to 5e so just give me kind of how aware you are uh passively and then if you're actively looking for something just how easily you'll be able to spot differences or maybe spot something that shouldn't be there or something that is there that couldn't be uh so definitely one of my favorite skills perception is one of the ones i think almost everybody usually puts all their character just to make sure that i get ambushed yeah definitely a common one um let's touch on real quick uh perception versus investigation uh, i think for the most part people have a grasp of that but yeah, I think it's worth mentioning. Um, you know, I always kind of see it as perception is is that you're you're just kind of looking around. Maybe you're listening, uh, smelling. You know, kind of the main senses around. And then the investigation is really when you specifically get, uh, narrow in on something. So, walk into a room, perception check real quick might uh, tell you that there's you know books out of place on the shelf or. Uh, that a painting is is crooked or something like that. And then investigation is going up to those things and, and saying, all right, why are these things like that? Why is that picture crooked? Is there a secret passage behind it or, you know, things like that. So, so definitely kind of keep that in mind and how those uh, differentiate. Definitely, yeah, because... 
Uh, that could be one of those ones where for newer DMs or even newer players where you kind of get, get a little confused or a little tripped up on it. We want to make sure they kind of keep a little fine line there too so people, kind of, especially if they took both skills or if somebody took one and somebody else took the other, uh, they can both get their moments to shine. So the other uh, big ones for Wisdom, uh, Survival, uh, which is still pretty straightforward, but kind of mentioned too for Star Wars, you can really flavor it uh, as well outside of just the usual hunting and tracking. Uh, there's so many crazy environments you can throw your players into. Uh, like if you had them on Mustafar, you could have them roll Survival, check to see kind of the best way they can traverse through the, uh, the kind of the volcanist uh, region without uh, getting hit by lava or falling off the path or something like that. Uh, so it's just kind of really working their way through uh, a harsh environment or being able to track somebody through an environment. Just some fun things you can have with that as well. Uh, the last big one for wisdom, animal handling. Uh, this one, uh, so this one, as uh, Todd mentioned, a lot of people can overlook with uh, traditional Star Wars 5e. Uh, but uh, if you've got somebody that has a, a mount, uh, I know some players uh, have picked up one of the pet classes or uh, if they've decided hey they wanted to have their own tauntaun uh, you could use that animal handling for them to first domesticate it and then uh, if they want to utilize it in battle for them to be able to clearly communicate their commands to it uh, or even if they just want to I know you've had this do this in uh, your campaign if they even just want to race some animals uh, animal handling can be a good way to do that as well yep and we saw uh, I forget the animal name but in the Mandalorian you know he definitely had to roll his animal handling checks he did. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of that animal, too. But either way, it's just one of those ones that uh, kind of gets overlooked sometimes, but there's so much Star Wars stuff that does revolve around animals, so definitely don't feel like, don't forget to utilize it in your campaign, something I've been guilty of myself. And then the last big ability, uh, Charisma. Uh, so this is pretty similar to uh, traditional 5e2. Uh, so this could be like your intimidation, your persuasion. Uh, so just kind of really how kind of the presence of your character. Uh, are they going to be somebody that's really intimidating, just kind of walking in? Are they a Sith or uh, somebody who's with a large presence when they walk in? They can just kind of cower, make the other people afraid of them and kind of bend them to their will? Or are they just very persuasive and be able to articulate their arguments so well that they're able to give what the party needs even without bloodshed? Uh, so those ones pretty similar to traditional 5e just kind of good situations where you're doing kind of the more role-playing variants of the game you can uh, allow them to utilize just their natural charm to be able to push uh the situation whichever way they want to go yeah i think uh, with, with those those three core within charisma the intimidation persuasion and deception they're they're similar in a way but they're definitely used very differently. So, you know, your character is trying to get somebody else to do something, and you can do that in potentially those three different ways. You can try and intimidate them, you know, yell at them or, or whatever, uh, or you can give a really good compelling argument and persuade them, or, you know, you can lie to them and say, you know, I'll do this, I'll, I'll give you this uh, if, if you do this for me, and that's deception. And, and some of those things, you know, as a DM, you have to listen to the character's intent or just what the character is saying and you should know like if they're lying you should know that they're lying and and then you want to ask for deception as opposed to one of the other two uh whatever so those three um you know just kind of pay attention to how those are used uh i think especially as you as you grow in experience that it gets easier and easier to tell which one to use 
Exactly. It's one of those ones as you and as you pay attention to the situation, what the party's saying, you know, it's gonna come naturally after a while. It's like, oh yep, that'll be an intimidation check or uh that'll be persuasion. Because sometimes like they can blur the lines, especially with how they're phrasing things. Uh, but you wanna make sure they're using that right check and uh kind of get either the success or the penalties for how it goes through. Because uh, sometimes if they want to charm somebody that's powerful, but they get a little too threatening and have to fail that intimidation check, uh that may cause some trouble for them down the line. That person may have resources or uh, may just really hate the party and want to go after them somehow. So the, uh, the last big one for charisma, performance. Uh, so this is kind of a good one, too. So like if you've got somebody that wanted to, uh, if took one of the musical instruments or uh, one of their background maybe has them as a singer or some type of uh, kind of act they can do, uh, this could be a good one for kind of allowing them to shine on that. Uh, or even in, uh, I've had uh, players use before uh, as they wanted to kind of act like they're having a fight amongst themselves. So uh, they had two, uh, two force users with their sabers act like they were going at each other, uh, trying to cause a scene. So performance can be a good way for them to have that mock fight and see how real they can make it to see if they can draw that attention they were looking for. Being the last of the skills there, but I think that's a good transition into, um, you know, especially if you have you know, with the skill sheet and you kind of can see everything, uh, you know, maybe one player in that, you're two people there fighting and you've got one player that maybe they took performance and then the other person didn't. Um, and maybe the other person though has deception. So you could, you could say, all right, you know, player A, give me performance, player B, give me deception just cause that's what the profession in and kind of that combined, Thing, or you could just call it and say, give me either deception or performance, uh, you know, and, and you can do that a lot of times with things, uh, you know, some of those skills, they might make sense uh, to just give them either or um, because it it's applicable to the situation. Definitely. Uh, and one of the nice things, too, especially if uh, it's an either or one, but you feel that one may be just slightly better for it, you can even set different DCs for those skill checks. Uh, so I've done it before, too. Like, uh, I'll say, give me an insight. It's DC 15. Uh, but if you want to, you can make a perception check to see if this person may have some twitchy behavior or something like that, but it would be at a DC 20. Uh, so just simple things like that. There's one skill that may be particularly suited for it. You can have them roll that, but this stuff, that other skill, be able to be in play. And it's a harder difficulty. Yep. And that, you know, we can kind of touch on like tool use in that regard. So, you know, look at our good old technology. Uh, likely someone has technology there, but say in the instance that, all right, you've got a computer that people need to hack into. Okay. So slicers kit. Uh, that's going to be, if they have a slicers kit, that's going to be a, you know, it might still be a difficult DC, but it's going to be doable. If they don't have a slicers kit technology check, higher DC. And then if they just want to, that could be an intelligence, straight intelligence check. And that's obviously going to be a really hard DC. Um, you know, so definitely can fluctuate there if people want to do that, uh, just depending on, on the situation. Uh, and then also, you know, there's there's definitely ways. Uh, one thing I want to touch on for sure is is using different abilities with different skills. Uh, as we kind of touched on earlier, you know, as long as the argument's there, uh, that's doable. And uh, some, you know, just maybe throw a few good examples here. And this is one situation that I recently was talking with somebody else about is uh, with piloting. Uh, they're going to do a kind of a race uh, uh, event encounter. Uh, but not all the players are going to have that piloting skill. So I said, well, you know, maybe someone has good strength and you can say, give me a piloting check with strength. 
And that's going to be, you can flavor that as them muscling the control sticks of the starship to make that turn. Or maybe dexterity. And the dexterity piloting check is uh, being nimble and, you know, going through a, a tight obstacle or something like that. So there's certainly ways that you can utilize, you know, other abilities with uh, different skills. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot that you can do with that, uh, especially, and this allows just, I think it gets a kind of boosted creativity a little bit of the party too. So even if they may not be proficient in something, they can kind of work their way through and kind of find a, a skill that may just enhance it a little bit. And uh, one of the cool things with it, one of the things I see most often is like uh, intimidation. Uh, while it is a charisma skill, like if you've got a berserker who's in your face and lifting you up, uh, I think that could be a, a cause to use strength versus that intimidation uh, versus that traditional charisma skill because who's not going to be intimidated by a big Wookiee lifting them up? Uh, kind of growling in their face. So uh, if it's one of those ones, it's got to give that party a little bit of a leeway and just got to get them thinking and uh, try other things. Uh, it could just be a fun way to pep up the game a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and think about, you know, a player certainly could have, you know, a, a mediocre or low charisma score, but they took uh, they took proficiency in intimidation. Right. So that just means they add the proficiency score. And then, as you said, in that you know situation, they've got a high strength score and say, all right, give me intimidation with strength. So you would take their strength score plus their proficiency if they're proficiency proficient in it. And that just helps them give that better opportunity. Another one we kind of talked about earlier before. Uh, coming on air was was uh, constitution you know that doesn't have skills but you know how intimidating could that be is if if the player like grabbed you know poison and drank it in front of somebody is just you know that could potentially be very intimidating and as especially if they survive that uh, you know with their constitution being good and, and kind of shrugging that off so definitely certainly ways to to utilize uh, different abilities in different ways like that. And, and as a DM, you know, try and set an example with that. And then also just, you know, if you're a player, think about that. But as a DM, you know, encourage that as well. Talk to your players and let them know, like, you know, if you can tell me a good way that you can, you know, do this differently, I'll be all for it. For sure. Uh, definitely, too, the dope as a dm don't feel bad though if you have to say no that wouldn't work because sometimes you make it like a kind of a zanier to ill thought out reply to that uh and if you just don't see like how that ability would really play into it definitely don't feel afraid to let your players say that that one's not going to fly uh definitely give them some opportunities to shine with it but if it's just too off the wall feel free to say no yep absolutely a um, couple other things uh, to touch on with this subject. I think there's plenty, you know, we could probably go on and on about. But uh, uh, one thing was uh, passive skills. Uh, so everyone knows passive perception. That's built on the character sheet, right? That's kind of, uh, you know, you're not specifically paying attention, but it shows how well do can people uh, sneak up onto you, things like that. It, it's a score that goes against something else. But you can certainly use passive uh, abilities or skills for almost anything else uh, if you want. Uh, and, the, you know, certain situations might come up to just see uh, something happens and, and then, you know, does your passive skill... Uh, work for that uh you know maybe insight or or whatever else uh, in one of my games uh, one shots uh, players were fighting over a lightsaber and they were giving their arguments for that uh whether it was intimidation or persuasion so i had them roll and then the player that was on the receiving end of that 
who had the lightsaber, I, you know, I just suggested, you know, if you want to look at your passive, per, uh, passive insight, that could be kind of your gauge on how to role play the situation. So, and it worked out really good. Gave a gauge to do that. If, if, you know, the players want to kind of go towards that, uh, using the dice to help them navigate that. So definitely use with that. For sure. And passive insight is another big one, as you said. Uh, just kind of add some fun to it, but there's other skills you could add the passive to. Um, I've even let uh, a player use passive stealth before, if they were kind of expertise in stealth. Uh, even just kind of one of those things that feel almost be natural for the character. They're kind of a little thievy background, so they're always kind of skulking around. Uh, so they didn't know they were being watched, but just they're kind of almost naturally moving quieter. Uh, so I kind of gave it to the best situation. We were able to let them use that passive stealth score versus uh, the perception of the people that were looking for them, and they kind of lucked out and were able to duck out of view uh even without really knowing somebody was uh following behind them nice yeah great great example of that for sure uh probably the one other thing uh before we continue rambling on and on is uh is kind of dogpiling uh skill checks so this is another thing that you know using this this uh sheet this party tracker uh you know that i i kind of personally use uh, a version of this and that's what we're kind of developing this for is that you can look at those skills and know who's proficient. Um, I try and only allow people that are proficient in a skill to do something uh, for the most part so that you don't dogpile and the whole party's like, well, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Because it really should be you know, a situation for a person that is proficient in that, uh, you know, in that skill. So once you, if you can have that as a glance, or I'll just say, you know, just call it out and say, uh, anyone that is proficient in nature, you can give me a check. You know, and then if no one's proficient, then you can go from there. But um, that way, because, you know, someone that's not proficient could still get a good role. But does that is that fair to the person that's proficient? So I think, uh, you know, be um, definitely be aware of of, uh, the dogpiling of uh, skill checks. For sure, cause it's never fun when you're like, proficient in a skill. Uh, just kind of have uh, that bad dice luck and have the person who doesn't have any points in it at all or able to get that. Uh, kind of a much higher score, so it's kind of a good way just to really kind of get those people that have the, the the proficiency in the game. Yep, and you know you could allow maybe allow advantage on the roll and saying other people are helping certainly is fine, but uh, you know it's just it's it's a good way to to get everyone involved. You know maybe the technology guys really been you know just kind of doing a lot, uh, and so think about all right, I can throw in some other checks here and, and maybe involve some of the other players. Uh, a little bit more so that, that's certainly a way to utilize the skills as well as is involving the players in different ways for sure all right well uh tegan any other thoughts on this topic definitely there's a ton that I can go over with this one but uh i've kind of mentioned this a couple of times throughout uh the more you do it the more you dm and kind of get used to the, the different abilities and things that come into play uh the easier it will be to just be able to come up with stuff on the fly and set your own dc or come up with different checks you can really throw off the party uh just to keep everything moving and keep everything lively yep absolutely uh you know don't think that these are hard uh hard rules here hard lines with the skills and things uh you can be flexible with them so just uh let you and, and your party's creativity figure out the best way to utilize these things, uh, you know, as a guide as opposed to, you know, the strict uh, rule. So, all right. Well, we hope that uh, helps you guys out there running your game uh, and your adventures and, and dealing with things that come up. In our uh, next episode, we are going to be going over some more spe- uh, species of the player's handbook. We've got our last uh, 
five to do from the player's handbook core species uh, which will be a good uh, lead into that episode after where we're going to talk with heresy so looking forward to that Uh, and of course uh, thank you to everyone all of our followers and subscribers and listeners and whatnot Uh, check us out dungeonjedimasters.com for all of our content and we'll see you next time may the force be with you may the force be with you